want to know how to create interiors and images that take your brand and business to the next level and stop people scrolling in their tracks and actually like, follow, and even better, reach out to you to buy your product or service. I'm going to show you exactly how the step-by-step process, because if you can't captivate people with your imagery, you're really going to struggle to get your business off the ground. You will stay stuck and feeling like you're not making any progress. I want you to know that this is not just about taking good photos, although we'll cover that. It's about creating images at the next level using the art and science of styling, because this is how you create an emotional connection. This is how you arrange what you've got in an artful way to elevate your spaces. And this is how you create interiors that are so compelling that they move people into action to connect and convert with you and your product or service. So the big question, of course, is how I am going to share you with you my exact step by step process to style any interior with clarity and confidence so that you can take your spaces to the next level and create an impact with your imagery. Because this is how you stand out in a crowded marketplace. This is how you make compelling images using your existing client work, your products, or your place if you have an Airbnb. And this is really how you finally start to grow your business. If you don't have this key foundational element in your business, you're really going to struggle to make progress and have the type of growth that you want. So come join me in a free live class, The Confidence Stylist, and I'll share with you my three-step system to creating inspiring interiors and irresistible imagery with clarity and confidence. Register now at nataliewalton.com forward slash confidence. That's nataliewalton.com forward slash confident. Welcome to Imprint, a podcast about creating a home and life you love. I'm Natalie Walton, an interior designer, stylist, and best-selling author focused on an holistic approach to homes. Each week, I'm sharing insights and interviews about the creative process to help you enhance both your interiors and well-being, as well as provide you with the tools and resources to make considered and sustainable choices with all that you create. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Imprint. I am really excited to share today's episode with you. It really is a powerful idea that could change everything for you. It has certainly helped me completely change the way that I think about so many areas of my personal and professional life. So I trust that you're going to get a lot of value out of this. Recently, I shared this idea inside Design and Grow, which is my group coaching program for creative business owners. And so many of the people inside absolutely love this idea. Instead, it was a really powerful reframe on what they think about and how they view the world. So as we are starting a new year, I wanted to share it with you too. It's From the book, 10X is Easier Than 2X by Dan Sullivan and Dr. Benjamin Hardy. And basically the basis of this idea is that when you try to think about 
making improvements in your personal or professional life. If you aim for a 2% improvement, what happens is that you just make small improvements and you just kind of keep iterating. And look, that is definitely better than not doing any kind of improvement. However, when you aim for a 10%, sorry, 10 times improvement, there's obviously a big difference between 10% and 10 times. So when you aim for a 10 times improvement, you have to reimagine what's possible for you. Just think about that for a minute. When you have to think about and you're aiming for a 10 times improvement, you have to completely reimagine what's possible for you. So in the book, they give the example of Michelangelo. And I love this because I've been to Italy many times. I've seen all of the sculptures that they talk about. Well, actually, I haven't seen Hercules that they talk about, but many of the sculptures that they talk about in the book, including the Pieta and, um, of course, David. It's so funny when I went to go and have a look at David, I was actually a little bit resistant. Like I was like, oh, you know, it's just a statue because it, you know, obviously it's so famous. It's on, you know, so much of popular culture and I'd been exposed to it so much. And I really thought, oh, okay, all right, we'll go and see it. And, um, and I was actually blown away. I really was. And we had seen a lot. We'd been inside of a lot of churches, a lot of museums, a lot of galleries, and it was the scale of it. I think more than anything, it was the scale of it. And and the level of detail. It was just incredible. And then to think that this was something that was created, um, well, over, you know, well over um, 1500, 700 years ago, you know, I mean, it's, and it's unparalleled in terms of, you know, just the, the level of craftsmanship or mastery that is in that. And so basically um, his journey, Michelangelo's journey or Michelangelo, if for any of you who are in um, Italy, I'm just going to say it in the Australian way, though, because it sounds a bit funny to say it that way. Um, anyway, so his journey to becoming the greatest sculptor that ever lived, you know, still, he still really is the greatest sculptor that ever lived. He was in, he was 17 in 1493 when he started work on one of his first big commissions, which was Hercules, and it was for a wealthy family as as was the way of the days, those times. And at the time he was, um, basically by the time he completed it, he was 19. And so he had dedicated two years to creating this masterpiece. To achieve the level of detail that he had, he studied anatomy and he actually would go and get cadavers, so dead bodies, so that he could learn the anatomy of the body from the inside out. And this was really so he could completely understand like the, the muscles and the way that the hand moved and the shape and all of the different elements within the anatomy of the body so that he could create this sculpture that was as lifelike and, you know, as, as yeah, true to life as possible. And, you know, obviously this was his level of dedication to his art. So in the book, they say, Michelangelo was not born a great artist. He became one and then ultimately reached legendary levels by continually pursuing the 10 times process. He set out to do something far beyond anything he'd ever done and also something innovative and non-linear to the pre-established standard 
or norm of his field. To complete the project at the level he desired required a full-on transformation of not only his skills and creativity, but also his commitment, convictions, and identity. Completing and selling the Hercules left him a qualitatively different person from his former 17-year-old self who began the project. After selling the Hercules, he was now mentally and emotionally a different person with radically extended skills and more confidence than his former self. But also professionally, he was positioned far differently from his former self. He now had the reputation of having done something significant, which led people to become more interested in him as a person, but also led to others wanting to commission more of his work. Just want you to think about this, what this complete transformation that he went through on his journey to becoming a true master. And just think about that through the filter of whatever applies to you, whether it's personally or professionally, and the level of transformation that perhaps you need to go through to really go to that next level and become this next version of yourself. So how was this transformation possible within himself? I mean, he started out as, you know, anyone else. And then by the age of sort of 19 and more, he was then creating these incredible sculptures. He was, and this is what the book talks about, psychologically flexible because uh, Dr. Benjamin Hardy is, comes from a psychology background. So he infuses this book with psychological terms and, you know, the research and the studies to back up these ideas. And so this concept of being psychologically, psychological flexibility um, is basically about moving towards the goals you choose, even when you face challenges at the emotional level. So the key ideas here are that you don't overly identify with your thoughts and emotions because you are not your thoughts and emotions. Instead, you are the context or you are in a circumstance of your thoughts and emotions. And as you change your context or your circumstance, you can change how you view yourself. So often we just, we feel or think something and we think that means that's who we are. But those are just thoughts and they are feelings. And again, through the, the consults and the sessions that I've been doing within Design and Grow, the group coaching program, it has been amazing to see how much of what is truly holding us back in our lives, in our businesses, so much of that is related to the thoughts that we had. I actually didn't realize it was just so prevalent. Pretty much every single person that I've spoken to, actually, I think every single person that I've spoken to has a thought that is holding them back. And it is not about their skill level. It is literally the thought that they are having that or the feeling that they have about that thought that is the roadblock for them. And they just can't move past that because they are just so wrapped up in that thought and that idea and that feeling and that emotion that that is why they are stuck. And I actually thought, you know, and look, of course, we're going through the very practical tools and strategies and systems and all of those things. But I really 
underestimated how much, and it's just fascinating and I'm actually loving it, um, how much it really is the thing that is holding people back. So really think to yourself, what are the thoughts and the emotions and the feelings that are keeping you stuck where you are right now? Thinking about where you want to go, especially, you know, as we're in a new year, it's always good to reflect on this. Think about what that is for you. And then think about really what is the thing that will, you know, is preventing you from making progress. And so instead, they talk about in the book that you are the context or the circumstance of your thoughts and emotions. And as you change your context or your circumstance, you can change the way you view yourself. So my understanding of this I, is because I've kind of read that a few times, when, particularly in the book, and I'm like, I'm really trying to wrap my head around it. And my understanding of this is that so we can have, as I said, so many people have these thoughts, these feelings, these emotions that really keep us stuck, but we can take action in our life. And that is how we actually move away from those thoughts and feelings and emotions. We start to become this new person and take on this new identity and go to this next level because we then start to develop, we get new evidence, and then we start to develop new thoughts, feelings, and emotions. So it really is, it's a journey, it's an iterative process, and I find it really fascinating and so insightful in terms of what are the things that are holding us back. So basically, this idea that, you know, if you are psychologically flexible, if you're flexible in terms of letting go of these thoughts, feelings, and emotions that are holding you back, you are more likely to, you know, improve and make progress and actually transform your life. So they actually give an example in the book, which of course I have to share this one because it says, just as you can rearrange and change the furniture in your home, you can change and transform yourself. Again, I know so many people are just stuck. Maybe you are as well. And just think that, you know, sometimes it's, it's changing things in our circumstances that can create that level of transformation within ourselves. So they go on to talk about um, Michelangelo and his psychological flexibility and how he was able to continually envisage bigger and grander versions for himself and what was possible for his art or work. And so they said the quality of who he was and how he lived fundamentally improved with each 10x jump he made which can, was continuous throughout his life. So basically after Hercules, then Michelangelo sculpted a small Cupid. Then he moved to Rome and completed a life-size statue of the Roman wine god Bacchus at the age of 21. I remember seeing this and again, was just completely blown away by it. And um, then he, he completed the Pieta, which was, it was a, a sculpture of the Virgin Mary grieving over Jesus. And this was another 10x jump. So after he returned to Florence, he really wasn't the same man. He'd completed and, you know, and he had been completely transformed by these projects. Um, you know, you really can't compare the Pieta to Hercules, these two sculptures that he worked on. They're 
incomparable because he'd gone through a quantum leap in his experience and skill level. And he, in the process, he'd become a different person. And it's like so many of us who work in the creative fields, if you are an interior designer and if you look back at your very, you know, your first project or your very early work, I know if I look at my first renovation, just how, I mean, it was, it wasn't bad in air quotes, but you know, it was so foundational that, you know, it was so simple. I mean, obviously I was on an incredibly tight budget. I was 24 at the time. However, it, um, you know, the, the level of detail and the knowledge that I have now is definitely 10 X what that first renovation was. And think about you and your projects and your creativity, whether it's your art or anything else that you have worked on, what level of transformation you have already experienced in your life. And it is important to reflect and look back and recognize if you look back on your journey so far, what have been the big changes or the big transformations in your life that have fundamentally changed who you are? I know for me, um, one of the big things was when I came back to Australia and then started working at Real Living Magazine. That was the first time that I felt like I was doing work that I truly loved and I was really stepping into my passion and my purpose. And then another big change for me was when I became a mother that completely changed the way that not only I, I viewed myself and my experience and obviously my sense of family, but also if I'm being really practical, it completely changed the way I thought about time as well. As any of you who have or have had little children know, I mean, when you've got a sleeping baby or baby sleeping, I mean, you kind of, well, I certainly did, you know, I was like, okay, I'm just going to make the most of this time. I mean, fortunately I had a baby that was a good sleeper. So it wasn't like, okay, I'm going to take a nap, but even that's a great use of time if you you know, the baby is asleep and you're really struggling with sleep, but I would get work done during those times. And I was so incredibly productive. I would type so quickly because, you know, I wasn't going to faff around because I, I really did have limited time. So I want you to think about, you know, those big transformations in your life. Another one that I can think of for me was moving from the city to the country. And even recently, my husband and I were reflecting on this on a morning walk. And I think that has actually been pivotal to my journey of stepping into becoming an author, stepping into becoming a expert in the interiors industry, stepping into becoming um, you know, a, a coach and a teacher, like I, I would never have envisaged or imagined those possibilities. I feel that if I was still living in the city, I was so caught up with all the noise of the city, which is not to say that, you know, if you live in the city, you can't kind of forge your own identity. But for me in particular, I, I found that really challenging. You know, I was constantly caught up in going to the latest art gallery and exhibition and the bookstores and the this and the that and the other and meeting friends for dinner. And, and while that is all great, ultimately, I always knew that I didn't want my life to just be that. I always felt like there was some other thing that I really wanted to leave an imprint on the world. I really did. And for me, I always saw that being through books and I'm really, you know, grateful that I've had that opportunity to do that. So think about for you, what have been those 
big changes, those big transformations in your own life. So with, we'll go back to Michelangelo. So in 1501, um, he started what would become his next 10X leap, which was the creation of David, as I've mentioned. And it was completed when he was 29 years old and recognized as a masterpiece and placed in front of the town hall of Florence, becoming the symbol of Florentine independence and liberty. And so, you know, if that was not enough, his next big project was a commission from the Pope to paint the Sistine Chapel, which he completed in 1512 at the age of 37. And so they write in the book, throughout his life, Michelangelo continued to take on projects far beyond, impossibly beyond his school level. And I love this idea that, you know, with each next project, he was really pushing himself to go to that next level. He wasn't like, oh, I'm just going to keep doing this. You know, this is working and I'm just going to keep doing this. But he had something within him that was pushing himself to that next level. And so they say most people are afraid to commit fully to the 10x process because it inevitably requires letting go of your current identity, circumstances and comfort zone. Going 10x means you're living based on the most intrinsic and exciting future you can imagine. So the 10x future becomes your filter for everything that you do and your more, most current and the most of your current life you can't make um, through that. So you basically with this filter, you want to filter, use that as a, a guide for the decisions that you make going forward because what got you here won't get you there. And of course, every next level you want to reach in your life, whether that's personally, professionally, requires you to become a new version of yourself. I know at the start of a new year, many people have health goals. And, you know, even that, you know, even if we're talking about health goals, how if you want to reach that next version, you have to become a new version of yourself. You have to become the type of person that does exercise regularly, no matter what. And maybe it's that you are going to just do 10 minutes rather than doing nothing. You know, you become a new version of yourself. So what happens though? What do most people do? So most people aim for a little improvement or maybe you're in maintenance mode and you're basically reapplying what's worked in the past to look at what you need to do. So the problem with this is that 2x, so just kind of like doubling down on what you've done before can be exhausting because you're always striving and this is what they say in the book, you're striving to double the output by doubling the effort. And again, I think this is really important to just pause and think on at the moment that, and I think this is why so many people get really fatigued when it's like, I'm just going to do more. I'm just going to work longer hours. I'm just going to do more Instagram posts, or I'm going to do more of this thing. And volume is important. However, um, if you are just always focused on the output, you know, and doubling the, the effort, you will become exhausted. So 10x is, it needs to be so big that it forces you to think differently. You can't achieve 10x by working harder or grinding away. You have to think differently and act differently. But the problem is that most people think they have to get, you know, 10 times the lead or 10 times the followers. And while that is important to an extent, 10x isn't about more, they say, it's about less. So Michelangelo, when the Pope asked 
about the secret to his genius, especially in relation to the creation of David, Michelangelo said, it's simple. I just remove everything that is not David. So this is a really good question. What can you remove that is not necessary in your life or your business? What could you simplify to help you get better results and closer to where you want to be? 10X is about simplifying to the essence of what you want to create or do and removing everything else. They give the example of Steve Jobs with the iPod. And of course, he did this with the iPhone as well. So with the iPod, you know, he basically removed the need to buy CDs and, you know, even carry like there was things like Walkmans, of course, but you then had to insert a tape into that. And so he completely reimagined how we would listen to music and really simplified the process to its essence. Like, how can I make this so simple? And look, it's been a while since I've used an iPod, but from memory, you know, it was like, it was, there was a play button. Maybe you press that again for pause. And then there was a go forward to the next track or go back to the previous track. And it was pretty much it. Like, and it had a clip and that was it. It was a small, very small device, especially in small in relation to the size of phones now. It was, it was tiny. And he completely reimagined and transformed the way that we listen to music. And he did the same with iPhones. I don't know if any of you remember. I mean, we, it's funny how we get so used to what we currently have. We almost sometimes forget what we used to use. But when mobile phones really first started to have their kind of came out and we're in that real heyday of the early days, when I think most people had a Nokia, you had to push buttons. You know, to call somebody, you had to sort of literally push physical buttons on the phone. And then that was one of the, you know, the transformational ideas behind the iPhone was that it became a screen. The buttons were on a screen and it completely changed. Like he simplified again and he distilled a mobile phone down to its essence and reimagined what was possible. And this rethinking um, made the experience of using a phone 10 times easier and better. So in the book, they say just as 10X isn't about more, but less, 10X is also not about quantity. It's about quality. So Michelangelo, he didn't increase the 10X, you know, the quantity. Instead, he 10X the quality. So of course he was busy and many people are, but he made and he had a qualitative difference from the start to the end of his process. And so when you think about, you know, how can I approach applying this principle or applying this idea to my life? It's really about making a qualitative shift, not a quantitative shift. And it's about, they give these examples. It's like going from crawling to walking or from the horse and buggy to the car or from being socially awkward and shy to being confident and making a stand for what you believe in. So qualitative change comes about through an internal process. It comes about through your own vision and identity. And you need to use these as a filter for everything that you do. So whatever you do then becomes a decision. If, is this going to be a 10x or a 2x decision? And if you're going 10x, you basically, you want to release anything that doesn't align with your filter, which is your vision and identity. 
So they say going 10x means your attention is directly on far less, but it's insanely more potent and impactful because it's focused rather than spread thin. So these are some examples of how you use 10x. You can use it to expand your vision and standards, simplify your strategy and focus, identify and remove non-essentials, develop mastery in unique areas, and lean and empower others who excitedly share your vision. So 10x is about choosing to live and create at a higher standard. So I'm going to share some questions with you so that you can think about how you can apply this idea of going 10x rather than 2x to your personal and professional life. Here are some questions for you and you might want to go and grab a pen and paper and write these down or yeah, sometimes I just actually type on the notes section of my phone if I kind of come up with some great questions that I hear in a podcast. So number one is what can you let go of this year that isn't helping you to go to 10x? I think we all recognize that there are so many different areas of our business and our life that is really not helping us. You know, it's, it's kind of like we're in the weeds and um, it's not helping us have that exponential growth. And I've actually shared in a previous episode that, you know, for this podcast, I have decided that for now, I mean, I might introduce it again at another date, but I actually want to focus on less but better with the podcast. So really make these episodes, um, you know, transformational for you, really empowering and helpful and insightful. And please let me know if you're finding this really helpful and valuable. I would really love to hear from you. Um, But, you know, I've decided to, to strip back different elements of the podcast. And of course, when, you know, we get to a point where we can bring someone on to help with the podcast in a more sort of um, dedicated fashion, then we may introduce those, reintroduce those elements. But I feel that that's not necessarily where our time and energy is best spent. And yes, definitely creating a weekly podcast. Yes, definitely creating valuable content within the podcast. But do we need to do all the kind of bells and whistles of that? Um, Does it detract from the experience of the podcast? Well, I don't think it does. I think that those different elements can help sometimes with um, podcasts and kind of get a little bit more engagement or a bit more of a hook. And that is also, you know, it's all good and important, but there is always an opportunity cost when you're spending time on something and not on something else. So that is something that we are experimenting within, um, within the podcast itself, this early part of the year. I will give it probably a quarter or so and listen to your feedback. You know, I'm always open to hearing back from you about, um, if you're really enjoying these episodes, we'd love to hear from you. So number two, the second question that you can ask yourself is what is the 20% area of your life or your business that if you went all in on that, you would get 10 X results. So a personal example might be sleep. You know, maybe you haven't been getting priorities, you know, prioritizing sleep or good quality sleep. So maybe if you um, went all in on really trying to improve your sleep, you could see a really big transformation in other areas of your life from you might start to eat better and exercise more and 
um, engage more with your children and not feel, you know, cranky at them or whatever it is for you. So professionally, it could be, you know, taking your interiors to the next level or your Instagram with exceptional um, imagery. Uh, Maybe if it's a a business, it's focusing on your best-selling products. Like if you went all in on your best-selling products, what would that mean for your business? Number three is, are you focused on effort or volume or something like a qualitative difference? It kind of reminds me this question of, um, you know, are you focused on volume or a qualitative difference? The idea where I shared in episode 163 about radical beauty. And as I said, this is something that's really been calling to me recently, this idea of embracing radical beauty in what I create. And, and I can share a link in the show notes and it's episode 163. So you can go to nataliewalton.com forward slash podcast forward slash 163 if you want to listen to that episode because I, I share more about this concept. But really question with yourself, you know, what are you focused on right now? Is it volume or are you really focused on a qualitative difference? Number four, what would you do with your life and your business if you weren't afraid of what other people thought of you? I've actually done this question a few times in the past and I'm probably, I'm probably due to revisit it, but because it really is, it's amazing. Again, kind of going back to what I was sharing earlier on with um, people who are inside Design and Grow, how much our thoughts and our fears are holding us back. It's not our skills. It is because they, they can sometimes be quite easy to learn, but it is our thoughts and our feelings and our fears and our worries about learning those skills or putting ourselves out there. Um, it's how that shows up that has a huge impact on how we, you know, the results that we get in our life. So again, just repeating question four, what would you do with your life and your business if you weren't afraid of what other people thought of you? And just to add to that, isn't it ridiculous? And I'm just saying this, that we all do this, that we put so much weight on what other people think. And sometimes, you know, if you think about it in a really logical sense, it is just ridiculous that we place so much weight on what other people think. And that is what, and our thought about what we think they're thinking, we don't even necessarily know what they're thinking, but our thought about what we think they're thinking is the thing that actually is, is holding us back from living our true life. You know, what we really want in our life to become self-actualized in the words of um, Maslow with his hierarchy of needs. I mean, as human beings, uh, our journey is to become self-actualized, is to become the best version of ourselves. And yet so often we hold ourselves back and we don't ever become the, you know, the best version of ourselves, a, a truest expression of ourselves, um, because we're worried about what other people think of us. And the fifth question is, what is your unique ability that you can create or offer that no one else can? And this is a really great question because when you hone in on this, this is what then helps you often kind of work out that 20% that you should focus on. If you kind of went all in on that 20%, that's going to get you the results. It's so often tied to your unique ability. Um, I'll just quickly run through those questions again. So number one, what can you let go of that isn't helping you to go to 10X? 
Number two, what is the 20% area of your life or business that if you went all in on, you would get 10x results? Number three, are you focused on effort or volume or something qualitatively different with whatever you're doing? Number four, what would you do with your life and your business if you weren't afraid of what other people thought of you? And number five, what is your unique ability that you can create or offer that no one else can? So when you think about 2x, often what happens is that you just try and improve. But when you think about 10xing, you have to reimagine yourself or reimagine your business. You have to take a totally different perspective. So if you try to reimagine your business, you have to at least, you have to think about 10x because you will at least 2x. So sometimes it's not always if you actually get to the 10x, but you will get so much further away and ahead of where you are now if you think 10x because it will help you to rethink differently. So just to quickly review some of the big ideas that I've shared with you today in this episode. Number one was about the importance of psychological flexibility. So not overly identifying with your thoughts and emotions because you are not your thoughts and emotions. Number two is to avoid just trying to double your output to get the results. Instead, that 10x isn't about more, it's about less. And it's about deciding where you are best off focusing on in your personal or professional life to get the results that you want. Number three was 10x isn't just about less, it's about quality as well and making a qualitative difference. And number four is about creating a vision and identity to filter your decisions. I hope that this has really inspired you or encouraged you to think in a different way about your goals for this coming year. I hope that it has opened your eyes maybe to some questions or thoughts or ideas that you haven't previously had. Um, As I said, I've kind of got a lot of value out of reading this book. It is a business type of book. So, but I do think there are ideas within it that you can apply to your personal life as well. As I mentioned, I always would love to hear from you. If you find this episode valuable, you can DM me on Instagram at Natalie Walton. And if you're new to the podcast, make sure that you hit the follow button. And if you are a regular listener and have not yet left a five-star rating or review, I would really appreciate if you could do that. Oh, and just one last thing before I wrap up, um, enrollments for the Styling Masterclass will be opening soon. And I have created a goal planner that you can get hold of which can really, you can apply all of these ideas that we've talked about in that goal planner. Start thinking about it through the 10X framework. So to get your hands on that goal planner, go to nataliewalton.com forward slash waitlist, and you will be able to download that. And you can start thinking about your goals in relation to 10X. It is such a powerful exercise. As always, hope you found this valuable. Really appreciate you listening sharing all the love with the podcast. And I look forward to connecting again with you soon. All of the links and info for this episode are at nataliewalton.com forward slash podcast. Don't forget to subscribe so that you can get a direct download of the latest episode. And I really appreciate when you take a minute to rate and review, as well as share the love with someone you know who might benefit from this episode or on social media.
If you'd like to access a range of free resources, come visit my website, nataliewalton.com. Thank you to Jaeger Media for producing this podcast. And I would also like to acknowledge the people of the Bundjalung Nation where it was recorded and pay my respects to elders past, present and emerging. I look forward to connecting again soon. I'm Natalie Walton and you've been listening to Imprint. Imprint.